This river is the land that I promised to you. And, and they looked at that river that was at flood stage, and they wondered, how will we cross this river? And God shows them his power and gives them a miracle as they step forward into the waters and they crossed over that river. And then last week, Pastor Dave, Dave Martin, talked to us about the Israelites having to pick a fight as they, after they crossed the river. And they had to take the promised land and battle over the city of Jericho. And the Israelites, they had a battle plan, but God had a different plan, a different, a better battle plan. And they do what God says, and they experience an overwhelming victory. And today's sermon is a sermon of warning to all of us. Uh, because when we go through a change, when we go through transition, we're vulnerable. And we'll talk about that vulnerability today. So let's read Joshua chapter 7. We'll stop and make some observations along the way. Now, if you're an Israelite, and you're at this place in Joshua chapter 7, you're probably feeling pretty pumped up. There is a miracle at the river that you experienced with God, and then God has this crazy battle plan that you follow, but it leads to an overwhelming victory, and, and it leads to riches collected for God in Jericho. But then you ask yourself, what's next? If, if we're pumped up, what's next? Take a look at verse 1 in chapter 7. But the Israelites were unfaithful in regard to the devoted things. Achan, son of Carmi, the son of Zimri, the son of Zerah, of the tribe of Judah, took some of them, so the Lord's anger burned against Israel. If you look at just the verse 1 there, just the first few verses, first few words there, it says the Israelites were unfaithful. But as you read further, you realize it's not really all of the Israelites, it's just this one guy named Achan. And with that, the first observation we could make here as we read verse 1 is, you never sin alone. You, it, it, sin is not done by itself in a vacuum. The idea that my sin won't affect another person isn't true. It, it's not true in the workplace, and you've probably experienced that. It's, it's not true in the classroom. For those of you who are students or were students, you, you understand that. It's not true with teams, it's not true with a band, it's not true in a family, and it's not true in a church. Our sinful actions will affect those around us, and many times they'll affect those we love the most. That's our first observation. You, you, you never sin alone. Verse 2, Now Joshua sent men from Jericho to Ai, which is near Beth-Avon, to the east of Bethel, and told them, Go up and spy, the re- spy out the region. So the men went up and spied out Ai. When they returned to Joshua, they said, Not all the army will have to go up against Ai. Send two or three thousand men to take it, and do not weary the whole army, for only a few people live there. So about three thousand went up, but they were routed by the men of Ai, who killed about thirty-six of them. They chased the Israelites from the city gate as far as the stone quarries and struck them down on the slopes. At this, the hearts of the people melted in fear and became like water. Second observation as we read through this chapter is, you're never more vulnerable to defeat than after a victory. That you're just never more vulnerable than after a victory. They had 36 casualties we read here. And you think, well, 3,000 men, 36 casualties, that's not too bad, is it? 
But this was the first time that they lost people in battle. And they were discouraged. In verse 5, you read this sentence. It's so descriptive. It says, the hearts of the people, what did they do? They melted in fear. and They were like water. You know, I, I was listening to these past two sermons while I was uh, taking some time away. And Pastor Dave last week talked about success last week. And as a consolidated church, as a church that has merged from two separate churches into one church, we've had a successful or a victorious transition for two and a half years. The first two years, like Dave said, was about unity, and, and we've been successful with that. And now one of, the, one of our senior pastors has retired, and so we've experienced leadership succession. And now we're going through change. There's, there's, there's change. There's a, a wind of change. There's a sense of something is different here at Nova Church. And so the leaders are praying, and, and we're thinking, and we're planning. We're asking questions like, how, how do we accommodate more children in Nova Kids? Because that's what we're experiencing. How do we accommodate more adults in classes, and do we need more classes? How do we, more importantly, how do we cultivate spiritual growth amongst new people that have come to join our ranks? And then how do we cultivate relational growth and connect these new people uh, to one another and in, in, in to the whole group? How do we do this? And I think for us right now, in this time of change and transition, our obedience to God's mission is being tested. It, it's during this time of, you can call it success, our obedience to God's mission is, is being tested. Are, are we going to be a church for many people in the South Bay community? Or are we going to be just a comfortable church for just me and you and for no one else? We're never more vulnerable to defeat than when we're in transition to a victory. Verse 6. Then Joshua tore his clothes and fell face down to the ground before the ark of the Lord, remaining there till evening. The elders of Israel did the same and sprinkled dust on their heads. And Joshua said, Alas, sovereign Lord, why did you ever bring this people across the Jordan to deliver us into the hands of the Amorites to destroy us? If only we had been content to stay on the other side of the Jordan. Pardon your servant, Lord. What can I say now that Israel has been routed by its enemies? The Canaanites and the other people of the country will hear about this, and they will surround us and wipe out our name from the earth. What then will you do for your own great name? Observation three we can make here is this. When you're fearful and confused, you need to keep pursuing God for direction. Now, Joshua and the leaders, they're fearful, and so he's kind of saying some crazy things to God. Why did you bring us across the Jordan? And he's just emoting. He's just letting a lot of his, his angst and anxiety and, and fear come out. It's being poured out like water. And Joshua and the leaders humbly look to God, even though that they don't understand what's going on. Verse 10, the Lord said to Joshua, Stand up. What are you doing down on your face? Israel has sinned. They have violated my covenant, which I commanded them to keep. They have taken some of the devoted things they have stolen, and they have lied, and they have put them with their own possessions. That is why the Israelites cannot stand against their enemies. They turn their backs and run because they have been made liable to destruction. I will not be with you anymore unless you destroy whatever among you is devoted to destruction. 
So go consecrate the people. Tell them, consecrate yourselves in preparation for tomorrow. For this is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. There are devoted things among you, Israel. You cannot stand against your enemies until you remove them. In the morning, present yourselves tribe by tribe. The tribe the Lord chooses shall come forward clan by clan. And the clan the Lord chooses shall come forward family by family. And the family the Lord chooses shall come forward man by man. Whoever is caught with a devoted thing shall be destroyed by fire, along with all that belongs to him. He has violated the covenant of the Lord and has done an outrageous thing in Israel. Fourth observation we can make after this long read of Scripture here is, is God knows all things. God, you, you can't hide from God, just like Pastor Dave prayed. He, he knows everything. And so we need to come clean before God. God gives instructions for the Israelites to follow. It's, it's, it's very clear. He says, this is how we're going to clean up the camp. We're going to look to the tribes, then we're going to look to a, a smaller group, the clans, and then to family, and then we're going to go down to individuals. Now, the question here is this. As I read this, does God know who the thief is? I'll help you with the hard ones. Yes, okay. <laughs> he knows who the, who the thief is. So why does he go through this process? Why does he want to do this? Well, I think as we read this, we see that, that the people are taking out a time of prayer. And it's a time of introspection. I mean, if, if you thought, well, you know, my family's got to get together and, and we've got to come before God. I mean, it, it's a time of, of examination. It's a time of devotion to God. And then there's this lesson that we don't sin alone. There's a communal aspect to sin, that there's this ripple effect. When, when someone sins, we, we get affected in some way. And so this is a, a great way to, to, to clean out the camp. And so I was thinking, can we turn on this microphone here? Let's start with the board members. Um, come on up. Uh, oh, okay, I, it's, 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 not, it's not really it's not really the way we would do things. This is for the Israelites at this time, but it's teaching them this lesson of looking inside, examining your own heart, reflecting on your own life with God. Verse 16. Early the next morning, Joshua had Israel come forward by tribes, and Judah was chosen. The clans of Judah came forward, and the Zerahites were chosen. And he had the clan of the Zerahites come forward by families, and Zimri was chosen. Joshua had his family come forward man by man, and Achan was chosen. Then Joshua said to Achan, My son, give glory to the Lord, the God of Israel, and honor him. Tell me what you have done. Do not hide it from me. And Achan replied, it is true, I have sinned against the Lord, the God of Israel. This is what I've done. When I saw the plunder, a beautiful robe from Babylonia, 200 shekels of silver and a bar of gold weighing 50 shekels, I coveted them and took them. They are hidden in the ground inside my tent in the silver underneath. I think an observation we can make here is this. When you're going through a transition, when you're going through a change, this was a victory that they had. When you're going through something, 
you need to keep your heart in check. You need to keep your heart in check. When we go through this, a, a change in our life, a transition, whether it's anticipated, one that we're looking forward to, a success in our life, a graduation, a promotion, when we're going through an anticipated transition or a dreaded transition, we need to understand that this is a time that we're vulnerable to temptation. Now, you've got to really ask yourself this, or you want to ask Achan, what were you going to do with this stuff anyways? It's not like he would take that robe and wear it around camp and people would say, where'd you get that at? I mean, you, you, you just know he must have stole that, right? Or, or with that money. It wasn't like he was just going to go spend that money. Why was he doing this? It's so strange to me. Why do we do this? When we're going through a transition or a change, why do we cave into temptation? Today is June 1st, and it marks um, one month since my dad graduated to heaven. And before he died, there was six weeks of, in a period where he was in and out of the hospital three times. And that was one of the most emotionally and physically draining times, stressful times of my life. I got to tell you that during those six weeks and, and just right after his death, there was such strong temptation in my life to eat too much and to drink too much. There was such strong temptation in my life to sleep too much, to look at stuff on the Internet that I shouldn't be looking at. There was such strong temptation to say what I wanted to say and do what I wanted to do and think what I wanted to think. During that time, my best friend, one of my best friends called me and he said, I need to see you. And I said, okay. And I didn't have much time. I was just doing things. I was going to the hospital. I was trying to work. I was trying to just take care of stuff. He says, just name the time and I'll, and I'll drive up and I'll see you. And I said, okay, I only got about 45 minutes, maybe an hour. And he says, I'll, I'll, I'll be there. And so he drove an hour to come see me. And we just sat out there in the, in the plaza. And he just says, tell me what's going on. T talk to me about all that you're feeling and all that you're going through. And I just poured my heart out to him. And fortunately, he's a psychologist, and so he's good at listening. <laughs> and I told him that, of the temptation that I was feeling. And he talked to me about why, how the human mind, heart, emotions work. And he encouraged me. He said, he said, whatever you do, you need to have your God time. You need to take time out for God every day. Make that a foundation, a basis. He says, whatever you do, you need to exercise every day to get that stress off of you. <clears throat> you need to keep eating healthy like you have been. You need to try to get a good night's sleep. He says, because your dad and your family, they're going to need the best of you. And for some reason, and I don't quite understand it, but for some reason, when we go through change and we go through transition as an organization and as an individual, we feel justified to eat what we want to eat, to drink what we want to drink, to sleep as long as we want. We feel tem tempted to be as lazy as we want to be lazy, 
to be looking at things on the internet that we shouldn't be, to say what we want to say. So when you're going through a change, whether it be anticipated, a successful one, or even a dreaded one, you need to keep your heart in check. Verse 22. So Joshua sent messengers, and they ran to the tent. And there it was, hidden in his tent, the silver underneath. They took the things from the tent, brought them to Joshua and all the Israelites, and spread them out before the Lord. Then Joshua, together with all Israel, took Achan, son of Zerah, the silver, the robe, the gold bar, his sons, daughters, his cattle, donkeys, and sheep, his tent, and all that he had in the valley of Achor. And Joshua said, Why have you brought this trouble on us? The Lord will bring trouble on you today. Then all Israel stoned him, and after they had stoned the rest, they burned them. Over Achan they heaped a large pile of rocks, which remains to this day. Then the Lord turned from his fierce anger. Therefore the place has been called the Valley of Achor ever since. The last observation we can make here is, you will be found out. God knows everything. Don't believe the lies. Whatever you do, don't believe the lies that no one will ever know. It won't hurt anyone. You deserve it. Just one more time. You can stop any time. Don't believe that. You will be found out. Let's just peek into chapter 8 because there's something important. Um, Joshua chapter 8, verses 1 and 2. Get this. It says, Then the Lord said to Joshua, Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. Take the whole army with you and go up and attack Ai. For I have delivered into your hands the king of Ai, his people, his city, and his land. You shall do to Ai and its king as you did to Jericho and its king, except that you may carry off their plunder and livestock for who? For yourselves. Set an ambush behind the city. Now, I, I, I read this and I think, if Achan obeyed the Lord and just waited... He could have had more than a jacket and a couple bucks. He could have had it all for his family. And, and sometimes we want what we want now, don't we? Isn't that the truth? We want what we want now. And thinking, and that thinking, and that action of we want what we want now has dire consequences to you and those around you. Let me just close with this. I have just... Well, I have six things to share. It seems like a lot, but it's just going to be real short. Application points here. This is the vulnerability of being in transition. The first is this. Perfect obedience doesn't guarantee a perfect outcome. So important. Perfect obedience, it doesn't guarantee to you a perfect outcome. These people, the Israelites, had great plans. They had great dreams. And Joshua and the Israelites, for the most part, all of them were obedient and following God. But it took one guy to spoil it for everyone. And we should never judge or evaluate our own obedience by the outcome or blessing that we receive. Just because we're obedient, it doesn't mean we're going to get what we want. Perfect obedience doesn't guarantee a perfect outcome. Number two, second point is this. Sin focuses on the moment, not on eternity. Sin focuses on just the here and now, not on the future. In the midst of routing Jericho and God's astounding victory in this big battle, Achan knows 
he knows that everything in Jericho belongs to the Lord. But he sees a nice jacket and some gold bars. You know, new clothes and some cash in the pocket, it makes you feel good, doesn't it? Sure it does. Sin feels good for the moment. And sin has a way of kind of washing our brains and making you forget about the consequences of that sin. Third point is this. God's timeline is always better than ours. God's timeline is always better than ours. I, as, as I, I needed to peek into chapter 8 in the first two verses because I think if Achan just waited a day or two, right? If he just could have waited after Jericho, if he just could have waited a couple days, he could have had a new wardrobe in a full bank account. But he was vulnerable to temptation after, after the victory at Jericho. And he was focusing on momentary desires. He was justifying his actions, not thinking about the consequences, and he disobeyed God. And when we hold on tight to control, when we think we call all the shots, when we think we deserve something special because we're going through a hard time, when we think it's our right to do what we want to do, when we don't consult God for his plan for our lives, we're in trouble. We're in deep trouble. The crazy thing is, is Achan, he saw the blessings. He saw the miracles so far. He saw the victories, and he saw the promises that were being fulfilled. And he still says, I'm going to go my own way now. And I think we reread chapter 7, and we look at this, and we say, Achan, what an idiot, Right? Really? You've never been there before? I have. And for those who have been there before, here's three tips for a clean tent. Some of us relate to Achan, and you've done things, and you've said things, and you've messed up things. How do you begin to make things right in your life if you're like Achan? Well, the first is you need to uncover it. See, the enemy of your soul wants to keep that sin hidden in the bottom of that tent. And when it's a secret, it has all the control. The big book of Alcoholics Anonymous has a saying, and they say, you're only as sick as your secrets. It's true. So you need to find someone you trust to uncover it. You need to find someone you trust. Same gender. Find someone who loves you, and you tell them. You uncover it. And if they don't say, I'm a mess too, they're lying. And they're more messed up than you. So, where we're at today as a church, and this is a good place, we need to get smaller. We need to, you need to get into a small group where you can start making friends, where you can tell some of these things that are hidden in your life too. You need to get to a small group or you need to go to a class. We start new classes today. You need to go to a class so that you can connect with somebody and start making some friends that you can uncover stuff with. Or you need to be involved in serving in a ministry. 
so that you can connect, get smaller, not just out in the plaza and, and here. You need, to get, you need to join the softball team and make friends and get smaller so that you can uncover some of these things. Proverbs chapter 28, verse 13. It says, Whoever conceals their sins does not prosper, but the one who confesses and renounces them finds mercy. Three tips to clean out your tent. The first is uncover it. The second is get rid of it. You need to get rid of that sin, or it's still going to tempt you. It's gonna, you're going to go back to it. Here's a, a good verse for junior hires. As a dog returns to its vomit, so fools repeat their folly. I'm a dog person, so I understand. And if you're a dog person, you understand. And if you're not a dog person, I think you still understand. <laughs> you wonder why a dog does that, right? You go, you go, gross, why do you do that? How about us? When we return to that sin over and over and over again, why don't we say, Gross, why do you do that? <laughs> and for some of you today, right after we say amen, you need to go home and you need to throw it out. And you know what it is. You need to throw it out. Or you need to clean it out. Or you need, you need to talk it out if you've hurt somebody. You need to just get it out and talk it out and say you're sorry. For some of you, you need to throw it out or clean it out or talk it out. For some of you, you need to move out because you're in a wrong relationship and you're living with the wrong person. And some of you, you need to break, break it off. And you know what I'm talking about. Some of you are in a bad relationship and you need to break it off. You need to uncover it. You need to get rid of it. The last one is this. You need to destroy it. You need to destroy it. If you don't destroy it, it'll only be a matter of time before you start to remember the good times again. And those good times really aren't all that good. God does not want us to be sin managers. We don't, we don't manage our sin. We aren't practitioners of sin management. He wants us to see the sin that separates us from a relationship with God. And, and that's why Jesus came. Why God sent Jesus to take the sins of the world, the past and the present and the future sins of the world, on himself and nail it to the cross so that he could destroy sin. He could destroy sin once for all. For all those who put their trust in him. So, when we go through transition and when we go through change, whether it's anticipated or dreaded, we need to keep our hearts in check. And when we go through this transition, whether we look forward to that change or that change that we want to avoid at all costs, we need to understand that in that season, we are vulnerable to temptation. And God is faithful. He always gives us a way out. And that way out is called the road of obedience to him. Let's all stand. And we're going to close in prayer. Before we close in prayer, I just want to tell you, remind you or, or tell you that if you parked on the grass or in the corner of that parking lot, we're going to have a softball scrimmage at 1230. And so please move your car by 12 noon today so that that field can be clear because we've got some heavy hitters on that softball team.
Let's pray together. Dear God, we come to you, and we're so thankful that as a church family, we're, we're going through this change. We're, we're going through a transition. We're going through, as we look around, some numerical growth. And as, as we are changing, God, I pray that you would help us to see that any growing pains are pains of, of positivity, pains of growth. And God, even in the midst of this season of victory or success or growth that as a church we're going through, help us to continually look to you, to pursue you, to look to you for direction. And as individuals, Father, I, I, I pray that as some people here are, are feeling the weight of conviction this morning, would you give them the courage, would you give them the power to clean their tents out today? We give you all the glory. We look to you because we're desperate for you. We need your power, your strength. We need your victory today. In Jesus' name, amen. When you go out on the plaza today, would you meet one new person today? Reach out and meet one new person. I'll see you on the plaza.